This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Well, the first round is well underway. Tremendous storylines and one of the biggest power plays and how you do on the power plays. Overwhelming majority of the games that have been won have been won because of the special teams play. And there's been no better example of that than in the Rangers Devils series. And Rangers win again 5-1 to one over New Jersey. And, you know, this was kind of a disturbing game for the Devils, you know, quite frankly, because this is now two straight games in which they have not been able to play the way they want to play. And you can explain away the first game because of the power plays and Devils had a couple after Tarasenko scored to make it one nothing, couldn't cash in, then Kreider scores on the power play goal, two nothing, and then things really changed and the Rangers were able to go into a system where they just did not allow uh, anything to happen uh, as far as room or anything is concerned. So now you go and fast forward to game two and, and I thought the Rangers played a terrific first period. The Rangers didn't have the Devils didn't have any room then either when the game was scoreless and then Hollis scores on the power play midway through the first period on a bad clear by Gaudreau. He was so good on the penalty kill all year and certainly in game one, but just a bad giveaway results in the Hala tip in. It's one nothing and it goes to one nothing after the first intermission and then buildings up for grabs and there were, even though the Rangers I thought played spectacular in the first period, they're trailing one nothing. And so well, this was the devil's opportunity to now, you know, play with a lead and and maybe find some room and maybe get a little panic in the Rangers as far as, you know, trying to climb back into the game and all that. And it, it, it never transpired. The Devils never really generated any kind of offensive threat. Everything was pretty much to the perimeter, not getting many bodies in front outside of the Hala power play goal. And the Devils went to work. Again, Tarasenko scores the first goal of the game for the Rangers about six minutes in to the second period. And, and then the, the onslaught was on. And the Rangers were just a better, better team. And then the power play rears its ugly head. Two more power play goals for Kreider. Chris Kreider becomes just the fifth NHL player to record back-to-back playoff games with two power play goals. Matter of fact, all four of the Rangers' power play goals so far in the series have been on deflections by Chris Kreider. And then that's it. You know, the, and, and it was all Rangers from there, and the Devils just never got things going. Hughes is trying to do what he can. There's just not much space. And the utilization of the forwards, Ryan Lingren talked about this in the postgame show with Dave and I after the game about just the, the, the forwards are playing a great defensive style. They're getting back, and... You know, the Devils just, they don't have much of a cycle game, but what they do is they try to get odd man rushes, try to use their speed, utilize that, and the Rangers have just put on a clinic of just not allowing the Devils to do this. So this isn't really about anything other than the Rangers just knowing how to play in the postseason. The Devils haven't quite figured it out yet. Lindy Ruff's going to have to go to work for the game tomorrow at Madison Square Garden to try to find some more room for his players. Uh, I can't honestly say that Shesterkin has stood on his head. In game one, he had the great glove save against Palat. He's had his moments. He's been a better goaltender than he than um, than um, Vitek Vanacek has been. But really, what it's come down to is is that you know the Rangers are cashing in their opportunities. The Devils not, but the Devils aren't getting the quality opportunities they need. This is not the Devils team that had 112 points and finished in second place in the Metropolitan Division. They, they have not been able to play that game. And now they're up against it. 
0.6% of the teams that take a 2 nothing series lead go on to win the series. Now, I can give you numerous opportunities where that trend has been bucked. We saw the Rangers be able to do it, losing two games uh, in Carolina to come back and win the series. But this one's hitting a little different. When you're outscored 10-2, um, your, your penalty kill, which is fourth best in the league, has just not been good. I, listen, it's four for 10, but some of those power plays came late in the game yesterday when it was garbage time, when it's really meant something with a game on the line. The Rangers have converted four of their first seven power play opportunities in the series. And, and that's just not going to cut it. It's just not. So, and I didn't understand Lindy Ruff making the change. Um, I, I got the Serengovich over, over um, Boquist, and I also got moving Timo Meyer to the top line. But I, what I don't get is Siegenthaler, who's not been great for Brendan Smith. And, and Brendan Smith took a penalty right away in the game. The, Ranger, the Devils were able to kill it off. But the, the point is, is that I don't know if he just fits into this series at all. And now, do you go to Luke Hughes tomorrow? I mean, he's a kid. He's never obviously played in the postseason before. He's only played in, in in the one regular season game, scoring against Washington. But is he ready for this kind of a moment? But, you know, desperate time calls for desperate measures. And I just think he would do a better job offensively. And, you know, he's, he's your future. Maybe you want to get him into a few of these games if it is going to be a quick one and done for the Devils so that he can be properly prepared for when they want to try to make a run next year because not like the Devils are going anywhere. There's a team that's going to be good for a while. So you kind of want to mix in present with future there. And is that something that you want to see? Because that that that's not working at all. And... You know, Hamilton is not really able to be himself at all. I mean, you looked at the matchup, not the matchup, but hey, the Devils' best defenseman offensively is Hamilton and Fox for the Rangers. Well, Fox has six points. Hamilton hasn't been able to do anything at all. So um, I'm hesitant to use men against boys, but that's kind of what it's looked like here in stretches of time. But really, the better phrase or the better way to put it is just the Rangers just look better prepared for this kind of series and for the postseason than the Devils. Now, can you get your sea legs? If you remember, the Rangers were in this position last year and were down three games to one against Pittsburgh. They were able to find it, get there, and get it done. You know, Palat's got experience. Hala's got experience. Tatar's got 40 games of postseason experience. and But really, it's about what Heashier, um, Brat, Mercer, and of course, uh, Hughes trying to get their playoff sea legs. And they better get it quick because... They're not coming back from a 3 nothing down, and it's going to be all the marbles coming up on Saturday at Madison Square Garden to see if the Devils can be heard from in this series. Well, the Maple Leafs were heard from last night as they beat the Lightning 7-2. to So each team that's won a game in this series has put up a touchdown. It's pretty incredible, and special teams again a part of it. Marner right out of the box, scores on the power play. Uh, Tavares uh, does it with the hat trick, is... Um, the kill was good and much better, at least for Toronto. And Marner gets a second goal. Perry throws his hat in the ring there as well. So a couple more power play goals for Toronto. And they get the job done. Looking at the power play statistics, 2 for 6, 0 for 3 for Tampa. Again, that is a huge difference there. And so that series now even at a game apiece. It is strange. Well, not strange because he's a great defenseman. But you take Hedman out of the lineup for Tampa. Boy, does that just change everything. Because this Lightning team is not deep the way they were back when they were first winning their Stanley Cups, right? You look at guys like Girardi, and um, he, he's no longer a, a part of that. Um, so they are they don't have a lot of those same, you know, McDonough gone. So they're kind of 
a little less deep than they've been in years past, and you take Hedman out of that mix, and Chernak also hurt. There's a lot of things going on there in Tampa. So they go to Tampa. They still have a home ice advantage, still very much in the series, but you know, still a lot of uh, mystery around what's going on with Hedman right now. And you know, where can where can this team honestly go? if they end up losing him for any length of time. We talk about the depth on this blue line, you know, and I even mentioned with Perbix, a young kid getting a chance to play with Hedman. You take Hedman out of the lineup, that means you've got to put Bogosian uh, on the blue line. Not that he's a bad player, but I, I think at this stage of his career, he is not the money player that he used to be, and that really just changes the complexion of this blue line. You know, so then Flurry, who's been a healthy scratch for a lot, he gets thrown in, and you get a Toronto team that is just so amazing offensively that's a big change that's a big tweak so keep an eye on this series i had the leafs i feel good about the way they bounce back uh bounce back for the avalanche as well kraken had a lead in this one but the avalanche win by the final score of three to two had to be nervous time panic time in in colorado when you know schultz scores early then Tanif scores, and it's 2-0 at the end of one period of play. You're like, what's going on? We're down a, we're down a game. Now we're down two goals. Like, what's going on with this Kraken's team? I can actually hear Anthony Pusick's chest getting bigger <laughs> because of feeling great about his pick. But, you know, Colorado, Colorado. And they did what they had to do in panic time. They come through, get the goal from Lekanen. Then quickly a minute later, Nikushkin gets a goal. And, you know, before you even get barely midway through, um, that second period, it's now 2-2, and then you get into the money time. Probably one of the most underrated offense defense, defensemen in the league, Devin Taves, scores with about seven minutes to go in regulation. A 3-2 win, but that building's going to be up for grabs tomorrow in Seattle. First playoff game, they're in the series. It's even at a game apiece. And the thing that everybody was panicked about when talking about Seattle, would they be able to get the goaltending that they were going to need would Grubauer be good? Well, he has been good. He faced 41 saves, 41 shots yesterday, made 38 saves. So he's played well. They're getting a lot of offense from different places. So if you didn't believe in Seattle, believe in them now. They, they got the home ice. That building's going to be crazy. I still think Colorado's going to win the series. But just the fact the way the Kraken played on the road gives you an indication that this is a Seattle team that's not going to go quietly into that good night. Now the Jets... They're now even with the Golden Knights as the Golden Knights get five goals and win 5-2. to two. This was a one nothing game for a long time. Lowry scored midway through the first period on the power play, and it stayed that way way into midway point of the second period. Then Carlson scored to tie it up at two, and then it started going. Eichel gets his first, but give uh, Winnipeg credit. Stenlund gets his first late in the second period ties it at two so we go to the third period Vegas not very good on the road uh, excuse me at home Jets 20 minutes away from taking a two nothing series lead stealing both but you know Stevenson who such an important center for this team breaks the tie he gets his first then Stone comes up huge with back-to-back goals in that third period one with seven minutes to go then he puts it away with two and a half to go so that was a big win for the Vegas Golden Knights as bad as they've been I shouldn't say bad but as average as they've been at home they've been terrific on the road so Winnipeg might have missed an opportunity here Obviously tough to take two games on the road, no matter how Vegas plays there, but that's going to be a good series, 1-1. That should be a lot of fun. So tonight, we get back to uh, the playoffs with four more games, Hurricanes and the Islanders. That UBS is going to be crazy tonight. Um, 
Let's take a look at the officiating in this one. Six power plays for Carolina in game two, zero for the Islanders. No Tara Vinen for the rest of the uh, playoffs here, it looks like, with a broken wrist after getting slashed by Pajot, which was not called, which in Carolina land balances out the fact that the Islanders didn't get a power play. But there was much conversation about the Martinook high stick on Mayfield in overtime moments before the game-winning goal by Jesper Faust. And I appreciate Mike Rupp, worked with Mike Rupp, and I understand where he's coming from. He had a great video breakdown on how when you look at that play, it was Mayfield that lifted the stick of Martinuk into his own face and that it shouldn't have been a penalty. Sorry to disagree with you, buddy. It's a great breakdown, still a penalty. You're responsible for your stick. So the fact that Mayfield lifted it is irrelevant. It was a pick. It was a high stick to the face. Islanders should have gotten a power play in overtime. Never got it. Never got a power play throughout the game. I know the Islanders came more physical. I understand the Islanders blew a lead. They had a 3-2 lead, and they should be able to clamp down from there and give Foss credit for scoring the overtime goal. But the Islanders now down two games to none. But I'm not going to freak out. Because remember, Carolina had the 2 nothing series lead last year against the Rangers winning a couple of games at home and ended up going seven with the Hurricanes not winning a game on the road. And they didn't win a game on the road last year in the postseason. So let's see what they can do out on the island. Very good chance for the Islanders here to still stay alive in this series. But it really, again, all comes down to being able to win the game tonight, right? You're not coming back, you would think, from three games to none down. So huge game tonight. We're still waiting word on what's going to happen with Bergeron. Looks like he was not going to make the trip to Florida, so they're shorthanded. Allmark was not not good, so we just got where Anthony just said game five. So opportunity for Florida. They're home. You know, um, Allmark did not look great, obviously. So do they go with Swayman here in game three? Don't think it's time for panic to Boston, but there's just I thought was shoes and said something great. Trying to think of what game he was doing because he's been doing a bunch of games. It might have been the Dallas Minnesota game that I was watching, and he he was giving an update on the score. And I think at the time it was five two, um, the Panthers with the lead. And he's like, God, the, the Bruins giving up five goals is like anybody else in the league giving up ten. And the final score ended up being six three. So it's just jarring because Boston's been so good and it's so good at home to be manhandled the way they did. And again, shorthanded without Bergeron. And if he's not going to be able to play till game five. So he doesn't make the trip at all to Florida. This swings open the door for the Florida Panthers to set up the upset. Uh, so we'll see what the Bruins do at goal at the time of this recording. Just checking it out. It doesn't seem like they made any kind of an announcement there yet. Allmark was great, I thought, in game one, but certainly not very good in game two. Uh, you finally heard from Barkoff in game two. So very interesting situation as you can make the case. This is the first real adversity Boston has faced the entire year. Um, they only lost back-to-back games once during the regular season. They're now on the road, and now it's become a best-of-five series without one of their best players. They, they got crushed in face-offs in Game 2 because Bergeron is so good at that. And in a possession game like that, that could be a huge edge for Florida. So an opportunity is swung open here for the Panthers. If they're able to take Game 2 with no Bergeron in Game 4, you talk about the curse of the President's Trophy. could be staring the Bruins right there in the face. How would they handle that kind of adversity? But let's not panic yet. It's only one game, but it is tied at one. But a huge opportunity here for the Panthers. Uh, stars in the wild as the scene shifts to Minnesota. That series, even at a game apiece, no Pavelski because of the concussion. So Dallas loses a bit of an offensive threat i and somebody needs to explain to me how gustison can go out there and have an amazing game one only to have to sit and watch flurry not play well in game two so i don't like the switching back and forth of goaltenders 
I reward players for playing well. You usually don't make changes after a win, and I understand they had to go to double overtime, and it wasn't the greatest of games for the Wild, but I would not have made the goalie change. Oilers now in Los Angeles to take on the Kings. Oilers twice now have blown two goal leads in, in these games, so they've got to clamp it down here. And so Skinner come, he makes you nervous, right, because he had such a great year, but he's a rookie. He's experiencing this for the first time, and they blew the two-goal lead in the first period in Game 1. They, uh, Kings were able to fight back again in Game 2, but the Oilers were able to still pick up the win that's not a way to win a cup starting to blow leads here they got to be able to clamp it down that means defensively as well not just always on the goaltender uh to get the job done there so interesting to see what the response will be from the edmonton oilers i'm sure that's going to be a great atmosphere in los angeles so all these series have been terrific even the games that are down um to two games to none i still think it's been fun so far just interesting that the the devils have probably been the least competitive of the team so far in the playoffs but i still think they could be heard from so let's hear from you at don lagreca hashtag game misconduct and larry bumgardner says don if the devils don't turn things around considering ruff's age and contract is expiring do the devils make a move they have interesting internal options uh with Burnett, of course former nhl uh, head coach and AHL head coach. It seems like it's being out coached completely by the Rangers staff. Well, players got to go out there and play, right? But I would like to see the adjustment. New Jersey's going to have to make an adjustment. I didn't love putting Smith in for Siegenthaler. Um, I think you'll see further adjustments. It's really hard to fire a coach that I think is going to win the Jack Adams Trophy for Coach of the Year. He did such a great job during the regular season. He's dealing with a lot of kids, which is not Lindy's forte. I mean, he likes to play veterans. That's probably why he put Smith in the game last night. Um, but I, you don't like to see guys get fired. But, you know, like you said, Andrew Burnett is there. Could he slide in? There was speculation he might do that when the Devils started out 0-2 at the beginning of the season. It's Really, it just comes down to the organization saying, is this the guy to lead us to the promised land? It's one thing to have a great regular season, but is this the guy that's going to take us there? And if you think you can do better, then you go out there and do it. So it really doesn't come down to, well, he got fired because they lost to the Rangers in the first round. If that were to happen, it's just that, Lindy, thanks for your service. You did a great job putting us on the right road, but we think somebody else needs to drive the truck. And that's a difficult thing to do if they win the series and make a run. You're not going to make a change but does this open a door of opportunity for Fitzgerald to say, now we need to bring in a different coach? I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. You get swept. It, it kind of becomes your excuse. It puts it out in the forefront. But how odd, odd would that be, Anthony, that uh, maybe on the day that it's announced he won the Jack Adams Trophy is the day it's announced that he was let go by the Devils. But that's kind of where the NHL goes, I guess. It's so easy, and, I, I can, and Ranger fans deserve to be thrilled. The way that they've played in this series, and you out score team 10-2 and and you've you've scored four power play goals to their one and really five on five the devils have not scored their two goals came on the penalty shot in game one by hughes and the holla power play goal last night so five on five you're getting outplayed you're getting outplayed on special teams and in every way shape or form this team has been schooled but you got to win four and even though it's going to the road changing the scenery might be good for the devils here and and listen you're gonna have a completely different feel no matter how it happens even if the devils win the game one nothing you know they're still being 
being outscored 10 to 3 in the series, but just that one win would give the Devils a little confidence and feel like they're back in a series and, and can kind of get things going. But then, no matter how they lose the game tomorrow, if they were to lose, say, 1 nothing, even if though you were competitive, you're not coming, you're not winning four straight against this team, you wouldn't think. So everything's going to come down to the game on Saturday, which, by the way, you can hear on 9870 SPN New York. I'll have the pregame at 7.30. Kenny and Dave will have the call at 8 o'clock. Donnell Weaver says, hello, Don. Of the Rangers-Devils game, it was the same score like game one, 5-1. I feel like it's the Rangers' time for a run um, as they were able, not able to do it last season. The Devils, they have been good road team this season. Do you see them making changes to give them a spark? Yeah, I, I would probably put Luke Hughes in. Don't really know what much you can do forward-wise. Like I said, they already moved Meyer up to the top um, to, to play with Heashier. That's probably the one move I think they would maybe make. Uh, Jim says, does it look like the Rangers are playing an entirely new defensive scheme in the playoffs? Well, their forwards are playing more defensive. See, that was the question coming in. Were the outside of guys like Zibanejad and Kreider, was their forward crew good enough to play a defensive style? And, and they really have done a great job. Give Gerard Gallant credit, man. He's a very underrated coach. I mean, you look what he did last year with the Rangers. Went to a Stanley Cup final with an expansion team. Um, just give them a lot of credit, but their kill, I think, has really been a big difference too. But uh, yeah, they're they're playing a style of hockey. See, I guess here's what it comes down to: is that the Rangers know what it's like to play in the playoffs, and sometimes you've got to stray from what got you there. You know, you can play one way for 82 games to get you in the playoffs, then you realize we've got to play a different style here if we're going to be successful. And the Devils played a certain way to get them there, and that certain way is not working. So so what are you going to do? You're, you're going to have to find some other way to play because what got you the 112 points, what got you second place in the Metropolitan Division, clearly isn't working. Uh, AZ Ranger says, hey, Don, why do the Islanders continue to be very dirty playoff team? They're, we're this way in 2021, hunting uh, hurting a few guys is because they feel it's the only way they can win. It's why, as a Ranger fan, I want no part of them. Listen, is it dirty? Is it strategic? Listen, they're going to want to play a big, physical, heavy game. Um, what The Pajot slash on Taravainen, is is that strategic or is that just something that happens? I mean, you saw Adam Graves do it to Mario Lemieux way back in the day, and Adam Graves is the nicest person walking the face of the earth. Those kind of things happen. You've got to play a rough-and-tubble physical brand of hockey, especially when you don't score. And listen, I will tell you that the way the Islanders played is the reason why there were so many power play opportunities for Carolina. I get that. And those penalties were legit for the most part. What kills me is you're telling me Carolina played a clean clean game for 65 minutes. They didn't commit a penalty. We saw the high stick on Martinook, but that's the thing that bothers me is not the six opportunities that Carolina had. Islanders didn't get one. Strange. Deed Tanson says, could have sworn I saw the puck leave... The Devil's Zone with four Rangers still in. The fifth Ranger brought it back in before what I think was the third goal. Missed offside call or misunderstanding of the rule. Amateur hockey fan, pause TV, three minutes. Hmm. I don't remember there being any complaints about it. Um, certainly the Devils have the wherewithal to challenge if they wanted to. I understand they're already killing a penalty. And if they challenge it and they're wrong, they're down two men already down in the game. But if it was that clear, 
they would have challenged it. I think it was a big enough moment in the game that their video guys would have called down. Again, I'm calling the game, so I didn't hear if there was any scuttlebutt on the television side about it. I did not see anything on social media about it. So it's hard for me. I guess I can look at it. Maybe EJ will know something coming up on Monday. Um, But looking at the replay now on NHL.com, they're already in the zone. Um, It's the first I'm hearing about it. But if there were an offside and it was clear to you, you said you look back at it three times, bad job out of the devil's not challenging. If it was that clear, you know you're not going to get banged for the delay of game and you got a chance to take it off the board. So if, if, if you're going to complain about it, well, you know what? The devils need to do a much better job of, of challenging that. Uh, let's see what we have here. Mr. Mike says, hey, Don, great work as always on here with TMKS and on the call. I have... An off-season question or two for you. Which coach are you surprised that hasn't been fired yet? And do you have any guesses on the ones who will be fired and need to find jobs? Cheers, Mike. Anybody I'm surprised hasn't been fired yet. Uh, I, 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 I think at some point Sutter's going to go in Calgary, especially where you know, you know Don Maloney's taking over as the interim general manager, so there's probably going to be a firing there, I would think, if you just change the GM disappointing missing the playoffs out of winning the division the year before i can see something like that happening uh as far as their other coaches laviolette's already gone and i i'm, I'm surprised by that i know they had a, uh, a mutual parting of the ways but i didn't think he deserved to be banged uh they had too many injuries to blame it on him lou does make changes a lot remember he won three cup three stanley cups with three different head coaches um he fired Robbie Fatorik with eight games left in the regular season when they won the Cup in 2000 for Larry Robinson. I wouldn't rule it out. I, if they got swept in this series, Anthony, I would not rule it out. Um, I was asking people when it looked like they weren't going to make the playoffs whether he would be one and done. Elaine Lambert, who we're talking about, um, that's a possibility. Doesn't look like Mike Sullivan's going anywhere in Pittsburgh. Matter of fact, he's actually been assigned uh, to help find the next management crew. So is it possible they bring in a general manager and go, hey, Mike, thanks for your service? But it doesn't feel like that's going to happen in Pittsburgh. So off the top of my head, I think that's where we're at with that. Uh, Adam says, would you put Schmid and Luke Hughes in game three as a spark plug? Let me ask you this. What's up with Blackwood? Because they had a chance to win the division. He was playing games late in the season. Is, is, is there an injury that I'm not aware of with Blackwood? Like, why? Well, he's a scratch. So why wouldn't Blackwood be the option over Schmid? I don't think they'll make a goalie. I, I can't honestly say that. You know, Vanacek's been bad. You know, uh, if you want to just make a change for sake of a change, quite honestly, I would probably do that if they lost on Saturday. Well, I guess he could have had the Kreider second power play goal. It kind of rolled up on him. Uh, but, but again, I don't think the goaltending's been bad. I, I just think the Rangers are burying their opportunities, and you're not giving your goaltender much of a chance when a lot of these goals have come on the power play. You know, four of the ten goals they've scored have come on the power play. What is he doing on the Kane goal? I mean, well, that, that Kane goal was spectacular. I... I, I I know I think there's no shot he's taking the shot because because he ran out of room. He's at the goal line, so Kreider's breaking down the right wing. I figured he's going to pass this puck, and, and maybe Vanacek thought the same thing. And for him to cut into the blue and roof it on the backhand like that, what a tremendous! If he's going to start playing at that kind of a level, I thought he had a terrific game last night. I think that's a big, big bold step forward for the Rangers. Because he had the assist in game one, but he wasn't great. But he clearly his best game as a Ranger comes in game two. If he's going to play like a beast, man, and, and, and give 
give Chris Drury credit again. You know, what is what does Kane have? Because uh, he's got the goal and three assists, right? And then Tarasenko scored in the first two games. Uh, he goes out and makes these moves. Look how good Cop was and Vitrano last year in the playoff run. And now first two games, Kane and Tarasenko have their fingerprints all over it. That's a great job by Chris Drury as his uh, trades have definitely made it. But, uh, but getting back to I, I'm not I'm not blaming anything on he, on uh, Vanacek. Uh, you can't do that. Ten goals total, four on the power play, one into the empty net. You know, So when you look at the five-on-five five play, the Devils haven't scored. But you look at the Rangers, again, they're ten goals, four on the power play. One of them was into the empty net. So they've got five five-on-five five goals, which is not bad. But one of them also Kako and garbage time when the game was already decided. So you can make the case that you know the, the Rangers play-by-play five-on-five could be a lot better, too. And that's where you're talking about Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin uh, doing a, a bit of a better job there. Uh, let's close out with Larry. He says, which skater has impressed you the most so far? Well, it's been the usual suspects. I mean, honestly, if you were going to ask me Rangers-Devils, and I knew how good he was, even though they have lost, I mean, I, I am blown away by how good, uh, how amazingly good Jack Hughes is. Uh, he, he's got no room, unfortunately, but you saw on the, on the penalty shot goal, he's, I think he's the best player in the series. I, I, I think he's the most talented, and he's only 21 years old. I've been impressed with the way he plays. There's just not a lot of room out there, and he's not getting any help. Um, if you're talking in that series, I man, how can you not be impressed with what Kreider's done, but but, you know, he's just doing what he's doing, right? Scoring on the power play goal and just sitting there in the crease deflecting shots. That's what he does. Because I've been listening to a lot of games driving home. And then, of course, I'm calling the, the, the two games. So I can't, I couldn't, I haven't been able to watch Leafs and Lightning live because it's going right up against the Rangers. You know, Adam Lowry's got three goals for Winnipeg. Uh, that's, a, that's a bit of a surprise. I thought Barkoff was great in game two. Um, but uh, need to see a little bit more for sure. But uh, he didn't give us a specific on the series. And if you're just talking about the Ranger Devil series, we do the work. We certainly do the work, and it's a lot of fun. So we'll be back on Monday. Uh, hopefully we'll have EJ in tow on Monday to recap where we're going. And I have a feeling that uh, we may see some teams on life support by the time we get to Monday. And uh, we'll get a real feel for who's in command of their series by then. Uh, you know, tonight we'll have... Um, We'll have these game uh, game threes. So by the time we play Saturday, we'll already be game Sunday. There'll be we'll we'll be four games in on all the series, and so we could possibly see um, some sweeps. We could possibly see uh, teams down, you know, three games to one or whatever. We'll get a real sense of where we're going by the time we get to Monday. So best way to get in touch with me over the weekend at Don LeGreca, hashtag game misconduct. I'm not on the call Saturday, but I'll be doing the pre and post. So I'll be at the Garden for that. We'll talk to you on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.